Psalm 22. For the director of music, to the tune of the Doe of the Morning, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lot for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. You have saved me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. We'll keep uh, Psalm 22 open, and uh, let me pray as we come to God's Word together. Let's pray. 
Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we come to your word now, please, would you be our teacher? By the power of your spirit, speak to us of Jesus' death for his name's sake. Amen. What if you've ever thought it's strange how Christians celebrate the cross of Christ? That we keep going on about how great it is that Jesus died. Like we wear crosses around our necks or, or wear cross earrings. And yet the cross was the most brutal form of execution the Romans could think of. Crucifixion may well have been the most painful way ever devised by a human being of killing someone. Oh, we created a, a word from it in the English language, excruciating. That is the level of the pain. And yet we think it was a good thing Jesus was crucified. Almost every song we sing talks about Jesus being crucified. The Apostle Paul said, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a bit strange, isn't it? The death of our founder. Sometimes I think I find it too easy to say, Jesus died on a cross. Even to say, Jesus died for me. It's a bit like saying, oh, I go to church, or I was born in Canterbury, or I pretend to be Welsh. They're, they're sort of facts. They're just something that maybe happened. But, but maybe the cross isn't something that moves me as much as it should. Maybe the cross doesn't always help me feel how much God loves me. Maybe the cross isn't something that I see as so wonderful that I just want to go and tell everyone else about it. It's so, it's so precious that I can't think of anything better than to share the cross with others. Well, my prayer is, as we look at Psalm 22 this morning, is that the Jesus who was crucified for us will become more precious to us. Because although Psalm 22 was written a thousand years before Jesus was born, and although King David, as he wrote it, is talking about his experience of suffering when he's surrounded by his enemies, actually, as he did so, he wrote a song about the suffering of God's greatest king, Jesus. You see, God used the writers of the Old Testament to foretell the coming of his son, what Jesus' life, death, and resurrection would be like. The Bible puts it like this in 1 Peter chapter 1. The Spirit of Christ in them, in the Old Testament writers, was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories of the Christ that would follow. So as David writes Psalm 22, God's Spirit through him paints a picture that is taken up in Jesus' death. In fact, Psalm 22 is quoted or hinted at 13 times in the New Testament, nine of those times, as we've already seen, are in the accounts of Jesus' death in the Gospels. These are the words of Christ as he suffers on the cross for us. This psalm teaches us what Jesus went through. And the first thing we see is he's forsaken by his Father. Forsaken by his Father. Verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. 
Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. In his mother tongue, his heart language, Aramaic, he calls out in anguish. Did you see how he feels? That the God who he's always known, always loved, seems to be nowhere to have left him, abandoned him. Verse 2, my God, I, I cry out by day, but you do not answer, but by night, but I find no rest. Have you ever had that experience of, of crying out for help and, and no one being there? Perhaps you're on your own at home and, and life's a bit harder and you've fallen and you, you can't get up. Perhaps you've come home from work or, or school and you've just had a miserable, a terrible day and all you've wanted is, is for someone who's on your side to be there, someone to comfort you, someone to hold you, someone to tell you it's okay, someone to tell you they love you. But you walk through the door... It's just silence. There's no answer. You, you feel so alone. Well, God the Father and God the Son have been in a perfect relationship of love forever. But before even time existed, they've always loved together and always spoken together and planned together and created together. And now that in the person of Jesus, God the Son experiences what it is to be abandoned by the Father, to cry out, and there to be silence, no response. It's made worse because of, of what he knows of God. Do you see that in verses 3 and 5, how David puts it? He says, you're the God who, who's holy, you sit on the throne, you rule everything. It's not that you can't save me. And you're the God who's got a record of saving your people. I mean, in the past, they cried out to you, and you saved them from shame. But here I am, alone, hanging on a cross. A death so shameful that Romans told their children not even to look at the cross. Not because it was gory, but because it was humiliating. A death that Jews were ashamed of because... Well, the Old Testament Bible tells us that anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed by God. A degrading death. And what's the experience, verse 6? But I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by people. And as if that weren't enough, verse 7, all who see me mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads, he trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. This is the cry, isn't it, of the religious leaders of Jesus' day. The cry of the Roman soldiers. This is even the cry of one of the criminals who's crucified alongside him. Not, not content just to see him dead. They come out to mock him. To hurl insults at him. You see, this is the death that God has planned even though Jesus had lived a perfect life. Even though he had always trusted him. Was obedient and, and faithful to his father since the day he was born. And yet, as he, he hangs on the cross, God doesn't save him. As he cries out, he, he doesn't answer him. It's as though the Father who has always loved him has chosen to ignore him, to abandon him. And I guess most of us were privileged to have loving parents. 
parents who most of the time we felt safe with, who, who we could go to for comfort, for help. Can, can you imagine running with, to your mum or, or your dad with, with tears streaming down your face, maybe blood pouring from your knee where, where you've just fallen, or getting home from, from school having been bullied all day, rejected by even your friends, and you walk in and it's not just they're not there, they turn their backs on you. They act as though you aren't there. They ignore you. They refuse to answer your pleas for help, for love. Well, that would be a, a tiny taste of what God the Son experiences on the cross. And don't even think that that was easy for his perfectly loving Heavenly Father. The Father had to give his Son to be willing to experience the loss, to punish the innocent one he loves. But you see, unless the Father treats the Son in the same way that we have treated God, unless he gives his Son what we deserve, then there's no hope for us. You see, the Son had to be forsaken by the Father, so we never have to be. Jesus was forsaken by his Father. And he was murdered by men. That's the second thing we see. Did you see how God feels so distant from David? Do you see that in verse 1? He, he says, you're so far from me. He says the same thing in verse 11 as he prays. Do not be far from me. And in verse 19, the same thing. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. God seems so far, but his enemies, they seem so, so close. Verse 11 do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. He's not, not really surrounded by wild animals, but, but that's the way the people around him are, are behaving. They want to tear him limb from limb. His brutal death is their greatest desire uh, the fear the pain it's very real verse 14 I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint my, my heart has turned to wax it has it has melted within me his strength is literally evaporating under the intensity of the suffering well when someone was crucified it was it was quite normal for their their shoulders to dislocate. You, you see, it's not the loss of blood that, that killed you in crucifixion. It was the fact that you, you had to support your weight on, on your legs and your arms. And, and after hours and hours, you just can't do it. You, you end up, your legs buckling and, and, and falling onto your arms. But then the, the pain as your chest is, is distorted and you begin to be asphyxiated as your lungs get crushed is so great you have to push yourself up again but you can't do it so you collapse again and it wasn't uncommon when you collapsed for your shoulders to pop for your joints to be dislocated no, no wonder his very heart is broken fear grips him his mouth is dry as death closes in John 1928 Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. Verse 16, Psalm 22, 
Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet, hands to cruel nails surrendered. Six-inch shafts of metal hammered through the wrist joints and through the ankles, whilst people look on in triumph. Jesus isn't just bloodied, he's naked. John 19, 23. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what Jesus did. Do you know that as Jesus grew up, as with all Jews, little Jewish children, he would have gone to the synagogue and he would have been taught the Bible. Far better, I have to say, than we're going to teach it today. He would have learned the scriptures almost by rote and he would have read Psalm 22 many, many times. He probably learned it by heart. I guess as he grew older, it became harder and harder to read. So the Son of God knew that these were going to be his feelings, his experience, his pain, his suffering. No, no wonder the night before his death, he, he prays, Father, if, if there's any way this cup can pass me by, but, but not my will, but yours be done. Those are the words of someone who knew they were heading to Psalm 22. Yet he still trusted God. He still knew that his Father in heaven loved him. He still prayed to the one who was behind all the suffering. Look at, look at verse 19. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword. My, my precious life from the power of the dogs. You see, here's the difference between King David, who writes this psalm, and King Jesus, who he writes about. David cries out for God to rescue his precious life from his enemies. Jesus chooses to give up his precious life so that he can defeat his enemies, so he can defeat our enemies, our enemies' sin. The way that we're incapable of, of loving God or other people as we should. The way that we're so selfish that we ignore the one who made us. Has your heart sung in praise to God on every sunny day you've enjoyed this summer? We even hurt the people around us. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so Jesus lets himself be murdered by men for us. Our enemy, Satan, the devil who tempts us to disobey God and then accuses us of not being good enough for God. Go on, do it, do it. You did it? And you, you think God will love you? The devil who delights to see Jesus' death but is robbed of power over us because the Son of God has taken our guilt and given his life so that we will always be good enough for God, not because of we are, but because he is. Our, our sinful lives, so precious to God, that, that his son gave his precious sinless life in our place, that we might stand innocent before the God we've rejected. And our enemy, death, 
which no longer has a grip on us because he, the one who who didn't deserve death, died for us. And we know this because of the third thing we see in the psalm, that he is rescued to rule. Look at verse 21 with me. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. It's probably better to translate the second half of that verse as from the horns of wild oxen, you have saved me. You have answered me. You see, here's the turning point of the psalm. King David, clearly, as he cries out, now is rescued from death. Well, King Jesus is rescued, not from death, but because of his death. He he dies as the innocent king, so God raises him to life. Because the Lord rescues David, he, he calls for people to praise God. And because God has raised Jesus, his son, from the dead, the son calls people to praise God. Verse 24, for he's not despised or scorned the afflicted one. He's not hidden his face from him, but he's listened to my cry for help. In the end, innocent King Jesus is not forsaken. He's, he's given life. And the next few verses picture the results for us, his people. Look at verse 26. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. It's the most fantastic party. And the songs are all on one theme. How great is the God who rescues his people. All people's problems pass away. Poor feast like kings. And it's a party that's open to everyone. Do you see that in verse 27? All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Everyone who will acknowledge that the Lord is God. Everyone who will admit that he rules over their lives and everything else. Everyone who sees that they need this king, that the suffering king of Psalm 22. Jesus said the night before he died in John 12, and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Verse 29. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. You see, it doesn't matter how rich you are. It's so easy to notice riches, isn't it? In our family, we even know the sound of a Lamborghini going down the road. But in the end, it doesn't matter how rich you are, because we're all heading for one place. Verse 29 tells us we can't keep ourselves alive, we're going to death, turned back to dust. You know, that, that's actually what the majority of the dust in your house is. It's mostly skin particles that have dropped off you and your family. That's why when your family go away and you're on your own in the house, it's far less dusty. Next time you're dusting, you could call out to one of your loved ones. I'm just wiping bits of you off the shelves, darling. That's what you're doing. You see, you and I are just wearing out. One day, we'll all be buried or burnt. 
That's where you're heading if Jesus doesn't turn back. You've got a choice. Well, it won't be your choice unless you write one of those living wills. Buried or burnt, those are your options. That's where you're going. Doesn't matter how much money you've got, buried or burnt. Helps if you want to get buried to have a bit more money, but that's beside the point. No one can keep themselves alive. We are born losers in the game of life. But if we acknowledge we need the death of God's King Jesus, then our future is not facing the terrible anger of the God we've ignored, but rejoicing in a great party with King Jesus, the one who took God's terrible anger for us. Now, now is that true of you? Have you made that your own? However old or young you are this morning. Because today is a great day to come to to the crucified, risen King Jesus. Today is a great day to accept God's love for you. Today is a great day to change your future from the hell that Jesus went through on the cross to the heaven that he offers you. Will you you tell Jesus that you need him today? Will you bow before the Lord today and say, you are God and King and I need you to rescue me through your death? There will be some people to pray with at the end. You can come and pray if you're an adult here. You like to do that, to admit that before God. If, if you're here and, and your parents are with you, maybe you'd like to talk to your parents about that. Today is a great day to, to seize what Jesus did on the cross for you. And for us who, who say all too easily, oh yeah, oh yeah Jesus, Jesus died for me. Do you see the spiritual agony he suffered? Forsaken by his father, for you. Do you see the emotional and physical pain he accepted? Murdered by men for you. Do you see how he loved you? Do you see the victory he's won? Do you see that he's reigning over the world for you? Because if you do, look how you serve him in verse 30. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. You serve him by telling others about him. You proclaim that he is righteous and good and just and he's rescued you. You declare his love, not just now, but but to, to children yet unborn, anyone else who comes along. You see, if your heart is gripped by the love of God at the cross, then your mouth will spread the good news, the best news. Do you see the best news in the last line? He has done it. That's grace. There is nothing for you to do. He has done it. Do you know how you can translate that? It is finished. He's done everything necessary that you can know him. The son has died to bring you to his father in heaven. The father has raised him so he can gather in his people. He has done it. Will you tell them? Oh, we've got some some leaflets, some tracks. We'll put some out at the end of the service. You can just pick some up and and, and give them to, to people if you want. Will you tell a friend? Will you invite someone to church? Will you ask a a mate along to fusion? Will you tell others how God has rescued you? That he has done it? I had the privilege of spending a bit of time with Stafford and Kathy this week. I went to see Stafford in hospital on Thursday. 
He was still smiling. If you know Stafford, you know that he did a smile that lit up a room. He was still doing that on Thursday. He died 3 o'clock on Saturday morning. He was still smiling and with it and able to talk about how precious Jesus was to him on Thursday. And while he was in hospital, Stafford was telling people he was a Christian. He told the doctors he was a Christian, that he wasn't afraid to die. It was in that certainty that Kathy and he took the decision about ending his treatment. He has done it. That's why you can smile on the Thursday knowing that you could well be dead by the Saturday because you know he has done it. And you know what your home is. John 19.30, Jesus said, it is finished. With that he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He has done it. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank and praise you for our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know we will never fully fathom in this life the extraordinary love you've lavished on us through his death of the cross. But we ask you would continue more abundantly pour that love into our hearts by your Holy Spirit. That knowing that he has done it for us, we might offer that gift to others. For the praise of Jesus' name. Amen.